welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Great to see you. My name's Matt. I'm so glad you've come. Welcome to Gateway. We're continuing a series tonight called The Parable of the Listeners. And it's one that we started last year. And that sounds like it's been awfully long, but I, I just, I fill in speak at certain times. And so this is actually just number three in a series that we started quite a while ago. And they stand alone nicely. And we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, looking at this parable that you will know from your, your Bible and from your history and from the headings in the text that it's called the parable of the sower, traditionally. But we renamed it the parable of the listeners because in the first message I highlighted how when you look, obviously, yes, a read through, the concept of hearing is far stronger and deeper in the parable than the concept of sowing and so on. And so this whole message series revolves around the idea of hearing God, as we've been singing a bit too. So we're going to read the whole thing. It'll be up on the screen if you want to follow it, uh, or you can follow on your own device or on your Bible, or just sit back and enjoy the Word of God. We're going to read verses 4 to 15, the heart of it, but it's a longer parable than that. There's quite a lot more, even though there's a break in the text, and it looks like it's got other stories. So we're in Luke 8, Verses 4 to 15. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. In the first message, I I highlighted how good hearing is about being really honest with yourself and honest with God and listening not just with your physical ears, but the ears of your heart. 
That's why the text says, an honest and good heart. And in the second message, I pointed out that Jesus was revealing his purpose that all the different nations and all the peoples and all the language groups of the earth deserve and need opportunity to hear the word of God. And that was pivoting off just those verses, those phrases early on in the parable that say that people came from town after town and that a great multitude was listening. And that is the writer of the Gospels using exactly the same word that would be later used in the book of Revelation when it says that at the end of the age, a great multitude of people from every language and every tribe and every tongue and every nation would be gathered around the throne. Everybody needs to hear, which is why uh, the title slide that was up before has lots of different faces on it. That was the idea was to present how the hearing is for everyone. This message tonight is entitled, Hold Fast to God's Word and Grow. And the next message is in the series, They All Pivot, off that verse in the parable, verse 15, at the very end. And I want to read it, and you can see it now on the screen, and in the message version, which actually says it nicely. I don't very often say that. I I like the ESV because it's really word for word and it's really accurate and I'm really into words and meanings. But the message somehow often brings out the heart of it in beautiful contemporary language and he does it so well here. It says, but the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts. That's people. These are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what sticking with it until there's a harvest. And it's a much better choice of words, holding on no matter what. Um, those of you who have been here for more than a few weeks will know that Andrea, my wife and I and our boys, we lived in Jordan and the Middle East for a bunch of years and we, we worked and served amongst Muslim Arab people and, and all my best stories uh, are about living and dying and surviving in the Arab world. I, I now live in Flagstaff, so I, I hark back quite a bit to the Middle East. And we lived in a, in a village outside the capital city and we had no town water supply, but no one has town water supply. So you have a big water tank on the roof. And one day a week, everybody gets water. It gets pumped through the pipes, but that's, the, that's it for the week. You get one day's worth of water. And so you need a tank on the roof to hold the water to supply you for the rest of the week. And Lord willing, inshallah, I mean that very seriously, inshallah, if God wills, it will be turned on again the same day next week and you'll get another supply. One day I went into the language center where we were working and teaching and a tap had been left on the night before. The water tank had drained. We had about three days of students and language and relationship and work to do. So I had to call a water truck and there are hundreds of water t- trucks in Jordan because that's what ha- that happens. And the guy came and he pulled up and I needed to get this water tank filled up before the students arrived in about an hour. And he pulled up and he said, uh, I have no assistant today. You will have to be my assistant. And so I had to go up onto the roof of a three-story building. Now, this is where you have to picture. In the Middle East... Israel, Palestine, Jordan, most of those countries, Lebanon and so on, the roofs are flat. And you can spend time up there in the cool of the evening, cool of the evening it's lovely. 
So they're flat, but they don't all have sides. They all have two things, not sides. Water tanks and satellite dishes, but not necessarily sides. That's a luxury. So I'm up on the roof, and the guy has um, somehow got the hose pipe up. Now, this hose pipe is about this thick. Are there any fire service personnel in the room tonight? Okay, they know about hoses and water pressure and stuff. That's cool. This will be new to you, I hope. So I was up on the roof, and the guy down at the truck, he has to turn on the pump. And he yells out, are you ready? I don't, I don't know. But I've got the hose, and I'm holding it, and it's in the water tank. Are you ready, Abu Sami? This is my name in the Middle East, because my oldest son is Sam, Abu Sami. And I just, I just say, yeah. So he turns on the hose pipe. Now, this is where the fire service people know what's going to happen. This is a big hose, and this is some serious pressure. So he turns on the hose pipe. Where do I go? Backwards, quite fast. My life flashed before my eyes. I'm not kidding, it did. This is the second time in Jordan my life flashed before my eyes. So I knew the story quite well by now, but it went. Genuinely, I was heading for the side. Seriously, it was three stories down to a concrete pavement. And in that moment, I just go, Jesus. And I had the idea in a nanosecond to twist and to hold on tight. So I held on tight and I twisted and it pushed me back onto the roof. I was about a meter from the side, which sounds like a lot, but when you're three stories up, that is, I'm virtually hanging. I twisted, I held on tight and it pushed me back and I was able to grab the, grab the water tank, put it in there. I was saying, is everything all right? Mishmushkula, no problem, everything's fine. I looked over the side, and, and it's a long way down. I would have died for sure. And I said to myself, I said to God, oh God, thank you for saving my life. Andrea would have killed me. <laughs> I don't tell you that story to scare you about the word of God. I tell you that story that, because sometimes in life it's really important to hold on tight. Remember that as we go through this parable. Hold on tight, hold on fast to the word of God and grow. Did you notice through the parable the initial signs of progress? What does it look like? What was the purpose of the whole sowing event in the first place? What was Jesus' goal for the seed and the soil? The seed on the rock grew up but withered. Verse 6, the seed among the thorns grew up, but choked. Verse 7, the seed on the good soil grew up and yielded a hundredfold. Success and healthy Christian life is illustrated by God's word remaining, staying in our heart in a way that allows for growth. The parable is clear that the condition of our hearts is vital for growing up. And it's the thing that we have control over. It's the soil. So what is Jesus' explanation in the text for good conditioning of the heart? That's where we need to be looking 
And there are three things that grow us up according to Jesus' words. Hearing the word of God with a good and honest heart, and we talked about that last time. Holding fast to the word, and we're there now. And patience and endurance towards fruitfulness. Endurance. We'll get there next time. And I put those up for you because I want you to see where we've been and where we're going and what's in there. And if you don't come back or you don't hear the next one next time, you know where to go to study the rest of the parable. Tony Robbins is a famous life coach who trains life coaches. And he says in a book I read recently, all happiness comes from one word, progress. We grow or we die. And I do know and I appreciate that he's not usually our advice giver uh, in church, but he's right here because he agrees completely with Jesus. It's true. Whether we're talking about our spiritual life or our emotional life or our single life, progress and growth is good. Progress is happiness. And I saw a wonderful story on the news last night uh, that Andrea and I were, were every now and then I'm a, I'm a shouter at the TV and I'm a shouter at the radio. And my boys get very embarrassed, even though there's no one around, I don't understand that. But when stuff happens in the media and it excites me, and there was, there's a story about guys up in Northland who are young teenage boys, mostly young men, and uh, they've been wrestling with all sorts of trouble, addictions and, and hard life stuff. And here they were in this great story with jobs in forestry. And the, the news story was, guess what? They've been off drugs and marijuana and pee for three months. And they interviewed a guy, and I thought he was about 20, and it turns out he was 15, and he said, oh, I'm so happy. Uh, I haven't smoked a, a joint in three months, and I'm clean, and I feel like I've got a bit of a life because I'm earning good money, eh? and it's really good. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm just going, that's progress. Well done. Good guy. Stick with it. And so we're, Lord bless these guys. Keep them off the drugs. That's progress. That's growth. One step at a time, just a bit. Yours will be different, maybe not. That's what Jesus is looking for. Not massive leaps of colossal awesomeness, just some progress. I wanna have a look at a couple of other texts, or one other actually, that helps us understand a little bit more about growth. And I always find it good to look for that same word in another place in scripture and see how it's used there, because it's the same word, but it's in a different context and it might help us to understand. So you can read on the screen or listen to 1 Corinthians 3, five to eight. Paul is speaking to a, a church with issues. Most of the churches in the New Testament that he spoke to had issues. That's why we learn from them. So listen and enjoy this again from the message. Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us. Servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos 
watered the plants, but God made them grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. We, the people, we are responsible to foster the conditions of a healthy heart. We sow God's word into ourselves and into others. And like the apostle Paul did, someone sows, and like, the, and like P- uh, uh, Apollos, someone waters, which is nurturing and encouraging growth. But this message is Paul actually addressing divided human loyalties in the church. People were getting all personal about whose teaching they preferred, who they followed. This is before following posts. This is following people in real life, which is why he said in the text, who are these people anyway? And in correcting this unhealthy division, he actually clarifies something really important about growth. Growth doesn't come to us from other people. It comes to us from God. Our focus is to be on the condition of our own hearts. So Paul plays up our focus on God and he plays down our interest in celebrity. And I, I like to share the, the comparison of my lemon tree because I'm such a rubbish gardener and I'm so excited that my lemon tree is growing and producing lemons. I know that sounds weird, but I really love lemon meringue pie and lemon delicious, so I planted a lemon tree and, and at first it was very slow and then my mother said, well, what are you feeding it? I said, oh, rain. And she said, well, you've got to feed it. And I said, well, what do I give it? <laughs> I've got a cat. Is it like whiskers? I don't know. What do I feed? I've never heard of feeding plants. She said, you've got to mulch it and, moist and put, um, what do you call it? Fertilizer and stuff. And I started feeding my plants and I got lemons. And it's the same principle. I don't know how they appear. I've got nothing to do with their growth. But I take care of the soil. And now I have pie. (laughs) So it's worth it. So to grow is to increase in Christ-likeness. It is to develop fruit of love and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering, and like those guys on TV last night, to progress and to grow self-control. It is to become greater in serving, and it is to to become more prosperous in generosity. And I want to say, in my own life, I've come to believe very sincerely that while Big, fast growth is impressive. I suspect that small, slow growth, I see that and, I'm, and I believe it, is lasting growth. One foot in front of the other. One month a little bit better than the last month in my self-control. This year, a little bit more faithful, a little bit more loving, a little bit more generous, maybe just a bit than I was last year. And what I did for the next part, as we move from the the growth picture to 
holding fast to the Word of God is I've compiled a bit of a list, and I've had some time to do this, and I actually came up with seven habits for holding fast to the Word of God, and I really believe and I enjoy them in my own life um, to varying degrees of, um, of faithfulness, that these habits are holding fast, and these habits are about hearing God. And I contacted uh, many of our gateway missionaries overseas because I just thought I wanted to give them a chance to speak into our community from afar. And these men and women, these families, are doing Christian life like us, but in a very different context. And sometimes, in many cases, it's very difficult and very different. And so I asked them the following question, and I wanted to pass this on to you. How do you practice holding on to God's word, keeping it alive and present in your day, keeping it close to you, in your mind, and near your decisions? And so, while I say I've got seven, uh, we're not going to get anywhere near that tonight, so don't, don't panic. We're just going to catch up on a couple and do the rest at another time. But these habits and practices that I'm going to put before you tonight have been compiled with input from the following people. And I want to bless you, um, I bless these guys with a little bit of profile and, and put them in front of you for your prayers. And if you pray one thing for them, maybe you could just pray that this week they hold on to the Word of God a little bit more tightly and fruitfully. I don't know, I'm mixing up all my metaphors, but you know what I mean? Just pray for them to enjoy the Word of God and hold fast this year, this, this week. This is Chris and Sabina Scobie in Slovenia. These guys serve in a context where even though the nation only has about just over two million people in it, the evangelical Christians in that nation would fit into this church. They have a lot of work to do. Pray for them. The next couple is Daniel and Anna Wilkinson G, working in India. Maybe you met these guys last year when they were out here. Uh, we brought them out for a few weeks. They're working in, in, in India they hold on to the word of God and they reflect the word of God and they need our encouragement and prayers. The next couple is Stu and Joanna Herschel Adair and their family. They're serving in Cambodia. The next is Rock and Polona Vorovsek. They're also in Slovenia. And their little girl. And lastly, and this is not all our gateway missionaries, this is just a handful who I contacted to get a little bit of input. Help me out with my sermon preparation, guys. I know you're not that busy, but they all graciously wrote back. And they enjoyed the exercise of sharing some of their struggles and their hopes. And the last couple is Melissa and Jan Willem Peterson, who are serving in Jordan. We'll tell them to stay away from water tanks. Good advice. So these, these points are peppered and compiled with a bit of help from them, and I'll refer to them once or twice. Habit number one, read God's word for yourself. One day when Jesus' authority was questioned by the chief priests and the religious elders, he told them a series of parables to demonstrate his authority. And then he challenged them with this question. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. 
Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And it may sound a little ridiculous, but Jesus was talking to religious leaders and he seriously questioned their basic spiritual exercise. These are not just newbies in the faith that he's challenging. They challenged him, and he came back with a serious question. And, and he wasn't point scoring, and he wasn't trying to run them down. That's not his style. He knew what they were neglecting. And like them, you and I can be inundated with good spiritual reading material. But the fundamental practice of reading the Bible for ourselves is a key to growing and not just knowing. And this word to read in the text, it doesn't just mean to view and to recite, but it means to recognize and to see with certainty. So Bible reading for ourselves grows us in our ability to recognize and see and hear the truth. Is it your habit to read the Bible every day? Or perhaps a portion, some days? I say read for yourself because while there are many great devotional books out and about, and I do encourage them, and I recommend them, and I use them, I also recommend not always getting God's word filtered to us through other people's lives. All our missionaries, who replied to me, said that they endeavor to read the Bible for themselves every day. And they credit much of their endurance in life and ministry to daily Bible reading. Several of them said, a couple of them said, it's what sustains us, use that very word, sustenance. One of them wrote this about being a GPS. God's word is a vital part of our lives. We try to have it constantly in our minds. It's our GPS Garmin navigation. Without that, we'd be like a blind man trying to drive a car. Impossible. It sounds like the message version, doesn't it? Another one said, the reality is the more we grow, the more challenges come. The more we must choose to believe good advice. The devil is a liar and he wants you to believe that God has left you. They encourage us to approach God's word with faith and determination. Another gateway missionary said that at this stage of their life, they don't get to it as much as they can, they want to. So when they can't stop and sit down and read, they put the Bible on audio. And I want to say to you, that's good practice. Have you got the Bible app on your phone? Have you got a a podcast or the audio Bible somewhere in your digital repertoire? It's not cheating. It's good. And time briefly for one more. Habit number two, study the Bible. It's a little different from reading. Reading the Bible without an agenda is sweet and healthy. Just read it. Read it, think about it, enjoy it, savor it. But there's another habit like it, but a little bit different. Study the Bible. 
When writing to his young friend Timothy, the apostle Paul advised him about growing his faith and helping others who teach for Christian growth. And Paul had been encouraging Timothy in 2 Timothy in his second letter, and then he came to this bit. He said to them, warn them, warn these people before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And these words to correctly handle literally translate to study. So to study is not entirely or not always just an academic exercise. It's about asking questions of the text and listening to the Holy Spirit. And it will often include other resources, like dictionaries and commentaries. And we've got good resources here at Gateway in the library, and I encourage you. There are good resources in, in the YouVersion Bible app and other places like that that help you dig a little deeper. And I know in that text it might look a little odd when he says, don't argue about words, but I want you to note that the apostle is not telling Timothy to avoid studying and understanding words. He's not telling him that. There was a controversy in the church at the time where religious leaders were actually arguing and falling out together over spelling and pronunciation. And that's why Paul is actually encouraging Timothy to avoid silly, pointless arguments by studying and learning to correctly handle the word. And in a world like ours today, a world of religious diversity and religious controversy, we need young and old people who read the word, who study the word, and who represent the word of God accurately. It's good to ask questions of the Bible. God can handle it. And everyone, everyone is smart enough to study. In my, my other ministry life, I worked for Far East Broadcasting Company and we have radio stations all around the world and FM and digital apps and so on and we're broadcasting outreach and discipleship programming to uh, hundreds of millions of people, literally. And our stations get thousands of responses, emails, letters, texts, calls, every month, thousands. And this one is one of my enduring favorites, and I want to show it to you because it's got so many special angles. But a monk, a Buddhist monk in Thailand wrote to us because he'd been listening to our program and He'd ordered some material. We have Bible correspondence programs that are out. There's about 30,000 people in Thailand enrolled in our Bible correspondence program. It's a basic Bible study. The large, vast proportion of those people are Buddhists. What do you think is going to happen to them? Well, this is what happened to Mr. Fra. We call him Mr. Fra because Fra is Thai for, for, for monk and we don't know his real name. But he wrote this. I became a monk eight years ago and I've listened to your program Heart Friend for six years. From this program and the books you sent me, I've learned some basics about God. 
the senior monk called me in and forbade me to have contact with Christians. So I had to change temples. And now I'm on my fourth temple because of my interest in God. Though it's causing me problems, I want to persevere and ask Jesus into my life. This guy is getting thrown out of Buddhist temples because he's talking about Jesus. And he's not even a yet devoted follower, although you could say he is following Jesus. And I don't know where he is on his journey, but he wants to follow Jesus because he's been studying. If a Buddhist monk in Thailand can follow Jesus and write that, we can study the Bible and follow Jesus. And to finish up, here are two simple questions. If studying the Bible is a new idea to you, I mean, I want to encourage you, get into it. Here are two questions to start the ball rolling. And these are enduring questions. I ask myself this of many, many texts, and I've been studying the Bible for many years. What does it reveal about God? What does it say to me about his character, about his nature, about what he's like? What does it reveal about God? Any story, any text, any chapter, any verses? And secondly, what does it say about me? What does it say about people? That's study. It doesn't sound very deep, I know, but it gets deeper. The, deeper you, the more you dig, the deeper it goes, and it's beautiful, and it's part of holding fast to the word. Hang in there. Hold fast. Study. Read. There's more. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.